up, viewers? The Chicago Street Race is coming, and trust me, it's a weekend well worth the effort. But rather than planning it all and running around and booking flights and accommodation and hire cars and whatever else is needed, why not just join the Gilligan's Tour? So if you want to watch Shane Van Gisbergen defend his inaugural title and try to add the Xfinity race as well this year, there is a very easy way to do it. And who knows, I might even join in as well. But as well as the getting the race in, and the two-day pass with reserved seats to catch all the action, the team at Gilligan's have lined up a short Route 66 tour as well, taking in the first 100 miles of the famous road with an overnight stay in Pontiac, Illinois. And you'll also be in Chicago for the July 4th Independence Day celebrations. All up, it's a 10-day tour to the Windy City, leaving Australia or New Zealand on the 3rd of July with accommodation at the Congress Plaza Hotel on South Michigan, right on the edge of the track. So if you want to join the tour, go to Gilligan's Route 66 to book a place now. But don't wait long because spots are limited. Sit down, buckle up, and turn the volume to 11. This is the Auto Action Rev Limiter with Auto Action's Bruce Williams and Paul Gover, and your host, Andrew Clark. Welcome to the second Auto Action Rev Limiter for 2024. Now, we're going to try things a bit differently this week. We're going to try and be a little bit tighter at the start of this podcast, which is going to be helped because PG's not here today. He's um, somewhere in a big bird over Europe heading off for a Porsche junket. Um, but Bruce doesn't get junkets. He doesn't get holidays. He's here, and he's ready to talk with us about the, the news. And remember, Bruce, the first part, we're going to be nice and tight. Oh, okay, gee, okay. So the viewers know we haven't landed a beer sponsor, so uh, it'll be pretty tight. There's no stubbies involved in tonight's episode. How have you been anyway, Andrew? No, I've been pretty good. It's um, God, weird weather. I went out to the golf on the weekend and watched a uh, watched a bloke win a first golf tournament in eight years, which was a bit interesting. But, uh, yeah, otherwise it was just hiding away from the big storms last night. The dogs and cats didn't like it one little bit, Bruce. Well, anyway, that's uh, very good. There's been a bit going on, Andrew. In fact, in the last, uh, well, last day or so, the last 24 hours, there's been some moving and shaking. At the start of the year tends to be when the uh, businesses and teams and organisations have a little uh, have a little clean out. They, get their, they open their bowels and uh, empty the refuse into the bowl and press the flush button, as they say. And um, there's been a bit of that going on, not necessarily... Uh, of the uh, some of it's been voluntary, voluntary. So some of these people have said, "See you later. We uh, we're out of here." But uh, yes. there's a bit to talk through, Andrew. There's a bit well, going on. Is, but we're going to start with Michael Smith, who's left Cams. Um, so he's been there for more than two decades. Um, mm. So Cam, sorry, Motorsport Australia. I got it wrong, didn't I? I know. No, no you didn't, Andrew. Point. Andrew, it is Cams. It's Cams. Trading is Motorsport Australia, Confederation of, of uh, Motorsport, yeah. Confederation of Australia Motorsport. Trading is Motorsport Australia. They one, so it is. Uh, it's CAMS. Yeah. Michael Smith. Anyway, so, yeah. so he's the current director of Motorsport and Commercial Operations. He's heading overseas for a really nice job, and uh, I think it's a bit of a hole that they're going to have to fill. He seems like a yeah, seems like you've done a pretty good job to me. Well, he's been there a long time. He's. Um, He's absorbed a lot of knowledge. He uh, understands a lot about what goes in the world of motorsport. He's had some pretty interesting roles, right from organising events and running events right through, you know, race direction. Um, so he's going to be sorely missed, and I'm, I can't help but think that, uh, well, I'm not assuming, but I, I did hear a lot of chat that uh, Michael was pretty keen on the uh, CEO role, and I reckon he might have been a, a worthy recipient of that position. 
Um, but it's obviously been, um, you know, the uh, people that are employing these people are very, very concerned about the, the business being a very, very good corporation, not necessarily worried too much about motorsport. They're very, very keen on being a good organisation and we love those corporate types who love all that wokey, good-feeling, touchy stuff and uh, that's a big focus for them these days. So a bloke who actually knows what's going on and a boots on the ground, man, oh, might not necessarily fit in. What I'm concerned about now, they've just lost the CEO who'd been there for a long time and as much and as all as uh, Eugene may have not to been to everybody's taste, he had a bit of knowledge, and now you've lost Michael Smith. I can't help but think that uh, it's going to be a bit of pressure on the uh, people within the organisation. And I did have a chat with a with an interesting heavyweight industry person, and uh, he said to me that he was struggling to think of anybody within the organisation that uh, might be capable of stepping up, but we'll see. Oh, well, it's uh, it's one of those watch this spaces. Uh, now, in the interest of being tight, Bruce, we're going to move on. So, um, supercars parody. Uh, we've seen the changes. Speaking of supercars, they've just made a a bombshell announcement, Andrew, and that's the fact that Mister uh, <laughs> Mister Supercars TV Nathan Prendergast has come back again. He's only been gone a little over a year, and he's back. So I can't work out whether he's got the shits with drag racing or supercars. Just said, mate. We need you back. Whatever you, whatever you're getting paid down by the uh, drag racing community, we need you back. How much do you want? Because uh, yeah, he was out of there, and now he's back. Yeah. Now he's got a pretty good reputation. I'm not sure he's quite the celebrity that Supercars made out in the media release, but uh, you know, he's um he's, he does a good job. So it's good to see him back. David Tunnicliffe, of course, is the one who's um made way for him. Um, Supercars, other changes that we knew about this a little while back, but we've sat on it and um. Apparently it's kind of leaked out a little bit today, but Paul Martin is also on the move after the opening round of the series. Yeah, I spoke to Paul last week actually and um, about uh, some stuff and uh, he did indicate wasn't all that keen to talk about the fact that he was leaving, but um, when when pressed he did confirm. Again, been in the organisation a long time, one of the really, really good foot soldiers, one of the blokes who actually gets shit done. And we all know in corporate world there's people who walk around with their nicely ironed shirts and their very nicely creased pants and their shiny shoes and talk to nice people and shake hands and get photographed. And then there's the people that actually deliver and get the stuff done. And he was one of those people. He was an interface between the um, between the management and all, a lot of the support categories. So... The support categories would deal with him. He was very big with running the events and um, possibly, uh, again, you know, an opportunity for a bloke who, uh, who's who been recently employed. We might say uh, our friend from Tim from Thomastown. So maybe there was a, a thought that he may have been deserving of that job and I wouldn't have put a, wouldn't have uh, said that he wasn't. So don't know. I'm um, he's, a, he's a bit of a lost... Big loss to supercars, I'd have to say, and um, good luck to him. I'm not sure where he's going or what he's doing, but did hear a bit of a whisper that he's staying somehow involved in the sports and uh, sports and marketing sort of era. But uh, again, mm. a loss to the a loss to the organisation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. So let's um, touch on supercars parody for a second, because we uh, we oh, published the changes Andrew, to the pro last week. Oh, yeah. Hang on, Andrew. Didn't PG say that we weren't supposed to talk about parody just because he's not yeah. here? Doesn't no, give you a ladder to, um, to no, just start talking about it again. That does. He's not here. 
Oh, okay. Anyway, so the changes, we published them last week. So the Camaros had a few changes. We uh, haven't seen the final Mustang ones yet, so they'll be done shortly and into the wind tunnel, and hopefully we'll get some um, some spy shots of that as it comes out. Uh, there was engine testing going on today at Queensland Raceway. Well, according to somebody, there wasn't. Apparently that story uh, that we popped up on, well, actually the story that we, we wrote and broke was in fact that we talked about the transient dyno not going, which we talked about last week, but there was a pretty solid story and rumour that uh, they were doing a bit of testing at Queensland Raceway, in fact, today, which is Tuesday, um, Andrew, yep. so yesterday for the viewers. But we were out there on the track today. They were out there, but um, it wasn't what has quite been reported as far as I understand. I don't think it was a, wasn't a was a parody test as such. It was just testing some new components. And, no, I'm not you know, trying, trying to get it. said it was parody, but anyway, no, no, we didn't. we're out there testing some components. So uh, pretty yeah. sure that happened. Regardless of that, uh, that fine figure in uh, Queensland who suggested that we were talking crap. But anyway, that's all right. We, uh, we, we, I don't want to say it, Andrew, but as you and I both know, he's been prone to talk a bit of crap as well. So we'll move on. Indeed. And Premier, of course, today was doing the um, the engine running on Triple Eight's behalf. So that was interesting because, uh, yeah, very interesting that they were doing well, that part of it. Fantastic to see Premier get that leading role. That's a very, that uh, shows a lot of faith in them. And uh, speaking of Premier, Andrew, there was a fair bit going on in there next week and uh, – oh, sorry, last week. And yep. Peter Shaberis is really, as he indicated to you when we did our interview, with big feature interview with him towards the end of last year, you know, he's pretty serious and it's about getting the right people within the organisation. And uh, I tell you what, he's landed a pretty big fish in the uh, form of that uh, veget-eating uh, Frenchman. Yeah, no, it's a big, big gain. I think um, Ludo's going there, and uh, which is we, of course, spoke about that as soon as we knew um, Ludo had officially left DJR. Because uh, Andrew, can I just confirm? Is it Ludo Lacrosse? How do you pronounce his name? You're very, very good with the uh, pronunciation. Lacroix. 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 Ludo yeah. Lacroix. So Lacroix. 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 <laughs> anyway, so the Frenchman, the Frenchman is at Premier and Dr. Jeff Slater has moved on, so we're not sure where he's going yet. But uh, Thomas Miles from Auto Action had a good chat with him last week, so we've got yes, some stuff did. up with some quotes from him. So yes, he did check indeed. it out on the yeah. website. Young Thomas uh, got that story in the uh, can and uh, while the others were looking for it. But, uh, no, there's a fit, some big changes there and in my mind it's all very positive. So, you know, Premier... They've put a stake in the stand and, uh, you know, they've got their, their sort of slightly left of centre Super 2 program, which it's not officially their <laughs> Super 2 program, but it, it is, and it they're is, building yeah. for the future. And I'm I'm one that personally thinks that Peter uh, is is on the right, heading in the right direction. Yeah, no, I think he's, I think he's pretty sharp, that bloke, so he'll get there. He'll will get there, no doubt at all. Um, you told me the other day that Max Verstappen's Formula One car for this year failed its crash test. Yeah, didn't we talk about that last week, uh, Andrew? No, nah, no, we ran out of time because um, PG was flooded out, remember? Oh, that's right. Um, so basically, it's it's old news now, but we'll talk about it because it's Formula One. But, yeah, they um, took uh, the 2024 car along to the sled, sh- shoved it on the sled, and uh, it failed the test. So they were basically told to go back and uh, go back and fix it. But the interesting thing about it is that the factories were closed, so they've had to wait a little while before they can lay another 
another sheet of carbon on the thing and give it a bit more stiffness and a bit more rigidity and crashworthiness. And uh, so the suggestion is let's put them a little bit behind the eight ball, but they'll still come out and flog everybody else. So I don't think it's too too big a problem. What, what I would so. like to say, Andrew, just to say, I'm quite impressed with the fact that they don't value their star driver too too seriously when they try and minimise the crash protection for him. I would have thought they would have been trying to do everything they can. But then again, he doesn't crash, so maybe that's the answer. I mean, it could be the answer, yes, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's not, as easy, it's not as easy as it sounds to just change the uh, the crash structure in a car like that. So I think it is a bit of a job, but, yeah, you're right. They've got such an advantage over everybody else. It is hard to see people catching up. Um, now we're going to go on to a bit of NASCAR, Bruce. Um, oh, thank you, You and I Shane's love Yep. Yeah, and PG's not here, so he can't take the piss out of us. But, um, yeah, so Shane Van Gisbergen finished his first super speedway test session at Daytona, and he was 12th fastest amongst about 75 cars in the Arkham Menard series car, So, uh, which so, is the um, old, come on, yeah. old um, um, what do they call it? It's the Chevy SS, which we know as the VF Commodore, which they ran yeah. um, in, started running in about 2013, 2014. Yeah. So if you imagine the Arca series, that's their equivalent of our oh, Super 3, Super 2 series. So their cars two generations back from the last, from the current one. So still fast cars. Back in the day, they were the cars that everybody raced. Um, and he did, a, he did a pretty solid job. I mean, he wouldn't have been out there trying to set the lap record. It would have been about doing miles. And, um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that would have had plenty of laps at super speedways. So it's, it's, it's not something necessarily that they would have wanted to do, although he wanted to. It's part of the process for him to get into the Xfinity series. He has to run ARCA races at Daytona, and this is all part of a qualifying process, which is it's a learning curve. It gives him the opportunity to, to understand the nuances of the track and the, and the cars and that sort of stuff without the pressure. And I think the interesting thing, and, and you'd know it because you've, you've been out on the super speedway at um, at Calder Park, um, doing a lap time is one thing. So doing 12th out of 76 cars is one thing. Doing it when you've got 76 cars around is going to be something else. So uh, it is a big yeah. and very steep learning curve. But as we know, he's a, he's a very adaptable race driver. So I actually don't Shane, think it's going to take that long. You make a good point. Shane's not only adaptable, but Shane's one of these guys who can extract performance out of a car. <laughs> when the car's not perfect. And we know that because he's into drifting and rallying and all that sort of stuff where, you know, there's a lot of movement, a lot of stuff happening around the car and, and same with supercars to a certain degree. But, um, yeah, I mean, in, in a field of cars, there's drafting, there's bumping, there's all sorts of stuff. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be a learning curve. There's no argument about that. But what I, I think you mentioned it before, we did our little plug on Gilligan's Tours. But again, it's just a reminder for those of for those fans in Australia and New Zealand that uh, want to be part of that uh, fabulous um, uh, opportunity to go to uh, Chicago, Andrew, and uh, yep. see if um, SVG can't flog them again. He's going to flog them on the Saturday and on the Sunday. <laughs> and of course, um, you can get all the details about the Chicago race at Gilligan's. To gilligansroute66.com slash NASCAR. It's a great opportunity. We already know some people off the uh, Rev Limiter podcast and out of auto action and booked some tickets. We know people yep. are going to go. Uh, it'll be exciting. Are we to the loosey-goosey shit yet, Andrew? Well, that's what I was about to say. Viewers, if you like the tight bit, the loose bit's here now. <laughs> 
Here we go. So we're going to... So loosen it up. It's a pity you don't have a beer, but, uh, you know, the, um, Dave Reynolds hasn't delivered, so we'll have to have a chat to him about that. Andrew, but, uh, can, I go, Andrew can I go to the bar fridge for a moment just to get ready for this loosey-goosey bit? You can. I'll, just, I'll, I'll tell people a little bit more about Gilligan's Route 66 while you're doing that. And and while you're there, it could be a – I'm not – this, this, viewers, this could be a little bit of a secret, but there might be an opportunity – to uh, win a competition maybe later in the year with our very, very good friends at Ace. I shouldn't have said that. But you need you to stay have. tuned. You need to stay tuned because there could be a very good opportunity. I'm just going to pop over to the to the fridge, Andrew, and grab myself a singer beer. You do that. Andrew, on a serious note, our very, very good friends at AC Delco have uh, – have uh, sent me a script to read. Uh, they want us to actually read their um, their commercial, which good luck for that, boys, because uh, and I'm not really sure why. It must be something to do with the fact that they're very, very highly paid drivers, the Craig Lanzers of this world and all those other people that they support still on holidays and can't be leave it out of their um, tents and uh, holiday houses down the beach. So, um, Andrew, I'm going to have to rely on you to uh, read that script and interact with me in a sensible and calm and rational way so that this we can sort of try and make this 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 thing about the exciting news about ac delco can make it we sound professional are you um are you up okay no, I'm so, up because you, you, you do know don't you that the you know workshops and the know-how have been relying on ac delco auto parts for decades um and now the secret's out the best auto parts in the business are no longer only reserved for the automotive trade Anyone can now order AC Delco professional-grade products to suit almost all kinds of vehicles. Well, that's a very good start, and I'm not sure. So do I read the next bit now, Andrew? Yep, go for it. Okay, so AC, AC Delco Parts Direct is officially launched, and uh, the extensive catalogue is available for anyone to purchase a wide range of quality automotive parts. It says here of automotive parts, but I'd just like to add that quality automotive parts in, including filters, <laughs> which when they say filters, they're talking air filters, oil filters, cabin filters and fuel filters. They, uh, they've got parts for windscreen wipers and chemicals to go in your washer bottle. They've got spark plugs, brake parts, and even an incredible range of power tools, which I might have to talk a little bit more about. And it's all available online. I was looking for the filter for you to um, to keep you clean and straight, but uh, I don't think they've got one of those yet. But uh, they're, of course, well-known international brand, designed, tested, backed by General Motors, as you say, but uh, they offer products at a price that will meet the needs of most vehicle owners, whether they be do-it-yourselfers, for auto enthusiasts, and even for those of us who own Ford Mondeos just like me. Well, Andrew, uh, if they did make a filter that was able to filter me, it'd be a quality product and it'd be heavy duty. It'd be probably up to it. But this is actually the first time that AC Delco has been made directly for the public to order online. It's quite a new initiative. And I know they've been working on it for a while. They've been tinkering around on and uh, with all this and they've just launched it. And it's, a, it's with a new service promising prompt delivery and competitive prices, all from that trusted brand. And as I said, AC Delco is a brand that's been around since early last century. It's one of the quality component brands, and now it's available direct for you to get online. And, um, yeah, your turn, Andrew. Yes, well, you can get it at acdelcopartsdirect.com.au. And as a special offer to Rev Limit of viewers, for a limited time, our very, very, very good friends at AC Delco offering a 20% 
off online purchase discount, excluding the cost of shipping because we know Australia Post doesn't play ball, uh, on all acdelcopartsdirect.com.au by using the discount code GMANZ20 at the checkout. Andrew, I think you're being a bit flippant there. I think we need to be a little bit more professional. Those That 20% discount, that's probably better than I could get at my local dealer to buy the parts for servicing my vehicles in the performance and workshop, performance and race tech workshop. Um, it's at it's at acdelcopartsdirect.com.au and the discount code when you check out for that 20% discount, that's a pretty impressive saving. And if you've got a workshop, that's a good earn. It's Capital letters, it's G-M-A-N-Z-20 when you get to the checkout code. So I think we haven't done too bad. I reckon they probably, we could probably sharpen it up a little bit, but uh, they've certainly got their money's worth this time because I'm probably yep. much more expensive than uh, the normal people they use on their ads. So uh, I think it's time to get back to the uh, normal broadcast, Andrew. Yep, back to the podcast. Thanks, AC Delco. All right, viewers, we're back. Bruce has got a beer. I've got Andrew. a ginger beer. It's got Andrew. alcohol in it, Bruce. It's okay. Andrew, um, did we play that nice intermission music that yes. we played a couple of episodes ago? <laughs> no, we didn't play that at all. Well, probably should slip it in. No one's no one's been hassling us today, so we don't need the intermission music. Ah, uh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yes, so what are we indeed. going to do? You know, we, we haven't. All right, we, now let's um, let's have a chat about something. So we're gonna we're gonna chat a little bit more now. We're not we're not we're flying loose and off the road down. The um, super licensed stuff's been changed. Um, just at a time when we hear that um, they're going to cancel S5000, um, super license rules bring it back into play. So wh- what have you heard, Bruce? Well, Andrew, uh, this was a story that, in fact, auto action broke and um, most other people have just ignored it. <laughs> I love the fact that when we get a story, the others just pretend it didn't happen. Um, so we, we got a bit of a tip. And uh, what happened was that... Um, um, as we know, there's been a lot of pressure, a lot of issues, and uh, uh, people at ARG and various other people, and you know, people like Chris Landon have raised the the huge issue of the fact that um, you know, in order to qualify to race a supercar, you've got to do six Super Two races, or in fact, three Super Three races and three Super Two races. Anyway, it basically meant that. Um, you know, you had to do a number of races. It didn't matter really what your skill set was. You had to, um, you had to uh, do go through the process of of those. Yeah. Of the that. bizarre thing was though, because you had to run that Super Two, Super Three. So you had to run Super Two, Super Three. You had the problem that even Max Verstappen wouldn't qualify to run a supercar. Well, so, he which would, is just a bizarre concept, isn't it? Yeah, he, he he would have got a gig, but technically he didn't qualify. So he wouldn't have been allowed to drive it. Yeah. yeah. Well he would have he wouldn't have qualified, but the, the rules are pretty basic and straightforward. But basically it was a very contentious thing. And what it means is that you can be amazing at any other national level category of motorsport in this country, but um, you're deemed not to be good enough to drive a super taxi if you're not um, if you haven't done six uh, super two six super two races. And uh, with the irony of it is that the cars they're driving aren't the same. But I'm reliably informed by insiders at supercars that part of this is it's not just about driving the cars. It's about understanding the processes of supercars. It's understanding that they've got to park at 45 degrees and they've got to do this and they've got to do that. It's about nurturing them about the supercars 
program, which is pretty interesting because I reckon if you're able to do a, a two-minute five or a two-minute six around Bathurst in a Mark car or a GT car or some other sort of car capable of that, I reckon you can work out what 45 degrees is angle parking in the uh, pit lane at Bathurst. But um, part of the basically well, – when, when the bloke stands there and goes like this – <laughs> it was, and what you can't see, you know, that's Andrew's what the drivers two, do, isn't it? Yeah, Andrew's got his two hands pointing like an aeroplane, you know, parallel parking here. But um, apparently, uh, the, the the story is, and that we 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 got onto it is that uh, the TCR, the boss of TCR, which is Marcello Lotti, um, and um, when he was out here for the uh, two of the events that nobody knew about at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park and Bathurst for those two TCR international races, he was informed that, you know, it was a bit of an issue because he asked why the grids were a bit small and basically said, oh, well, a lot of the guys don't can't don't want to race TCR or S5000 or Trans Am because ultimately they want to be in supercars and that's fair enough because that's our premium category. And um, he didn't understand that, and he dug it, dug in, and, and asked plenty of inquiries. And then, uh, fundamentally, he went off to the, his friends at the FIA and said said that he felt that it was um, it wasn't a very good thing that um, there was a disadvantage being imposed by one FIA sanctioned category over another FIA sanctioned category, and that's what supercars is. Supercars is an FIA sanctioned category, and he basically said that this was a discriminatory act. And um, he wanted it. He wanted it looked at and reviewed. And um, basically, the FIA have now um, come back to uh, supercars and have said, uh, "Please explain." And um, yeah, there's a bit going on. Uh, my friends within supercars are telling me that it's not a done deal. But uh, and our friends at uh, Motorsport Australia, formerly known as CAMS. Um, they say that it's definitely happening, so uh, watch this space, but it could be about to be thrown in the bin. But I know that supercars are resisting it, but what it would have meant, for example, is that Joey Mawson, who was given possibly get, probably given the opportunity with Peter Schiberis at uh, Premier to race last year as a co-driver, he was denied that because he hadn't done any Super 2 races. That will change that situation. It'll go back to, if it's changed, it'll go back to a, um, a points-based super licence type thing. The thing that's fascinated me about it, though, is that if Motorsport Australia or the FIA sets a ruling up and sets, you know, these are the things you need to do to achieve your spot, um, and Supercars says, oh, no, we're going to put some other rules in place which are purely commercial because they want people driving Super 2 and Super 3 cars, I reckon there's a potential restraint of trade clause in there. I think well, there's some legal issues. Yeah, there's no arguing about that. But let's not forget, and and the team, the, the cars are owned by individual teams like you know, Brad Jones, for example, owns four cars. And at the end of the day, if if it's his decision as to who he puts in the car, and if he decides that all of his drivers have got to do Super 2 for whatever reason he decides, that's great. And it might be that every team wants their drivers to have had some experience in Super 2. But and, and I accept that, and I believe that's a fair and reasonable. It's their business, they're their cars, and therefore yep. they should be able to make that decision. But it shouldn't be a mandated thing because some people will say, Joey Mawson, two times gold star champion, he's won races in Formula 4 in Europe, he's raced Porsches in, in GT, in, in German um, Carrera Cup Series, he doesn't need to do six Super 2 cars, we want to put him in our car. As it is at the moment, they're not allowed to. 
Yeah, it's quite bizarre. But anyway, the changes are coming, we believe, um, and you can read about it on the Auto Action website if you want the full details. And I imagine we'll probably cover it a little bit in the magazine next week as well. Well, I wanted to move on to Formula One for the moment because there's some crazy stories going on. Like, I mean, the first one, which is almost shattering in a way, is that uh, Gunter's gone from Haas. So I don't know who's going to amuse us anymore. I mean, he was uh, he was good value, but he's been moved on. Um, we'll come back to that in a second. But the other one is this some um, Formula One Active Aero, um, which I believe is coming about because this you know the electrification and the desire to keep on pushing to keep Elon Musk happy. The cars actually run out of steam and they can't make it to the end of the straight while charging batteries. So they've had to find a different way to do it. So now they're talking about allowing them to have Active Aero. So it's a uh, a pretty crazy world, given that they've been trying to stop it for 20 years. Oh, Andrew, I think that, again, it comes down to our friends within the uh, motorsport community in the hierarchy trying to, to to appeal to a bunch of people that really don't care. And um, at the end of the day, greenies don't go to Formula One. Greenies don't go to supercar races. In fact, greenies don't go to anything that involves consuming petrol or any of that sort of stuff, whether it's hybridised or whatever. So I don't understand why they why they keep trying to be appearing to do the right thing. No, no, it's a it's a commercial thing from the car companies. They you know, to get Ford and Audi involved, they want that level of electrification. Um, you know, which is quite a strange given that they're going to, you know, synthetic carbonless fuels. I mean, I would have thought we'd be putting all of our effort into that part of the world where it, it is actually, you know, environmentally and morally sound because, you know, that slave labour used to dig up the lithium and the lithium leaves a big hole in the world and then somewhere we're going to dispose of the battery. So I'm not so sure that we're pushing down an environmental path, whereas give Formula One engineers the chance to do carbonless fuels and, man, we'll be under control in a few years. And not only that, Andrew, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, it's all about trying to appease people. And I think the, the world where we need to appease people needs to change. I mean, it, at the end of the day, um, as I said last podcast, supercars need to, need to accept the fact that the vast majority of their enthusiasts are blue-collar workers. They don't sip Chardonnay or bloody, well, some of us, some of us have an oat latte from time to time. But... Um, you know, they're predominantly they're beer drinkers and um, they uh, they like the sound of a V8 and uh, try to pretend that, uh, you know, hybrid energy, I couldn't help but see that some other flog north of the border was suggesting it. But um, no, 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 no. We need to uh, keep consuming petrol as fast as we possibly can and uh, they're still making it as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, no, what do you think about Gunter? Well, Gunter's going to be a loss to Formula One, not from the point of view that... <laughs> Look, Haas is an interesting conundrum. They've 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 shown moments of sheer brilliance when they've had a car. So you've got to understand with a Formula One car or a race car, you can build a car that, unlike a Red Bull or a McLaren or Ferrari, sort of seems to work everywhere. The lesser teams will often build a car specifically to be good at on certain tracks. So, for example, if we think back to Force India five in the last five or ten years ago, they were particularly fast at fast tracks because they had low drag and very little downforce and they were jets in a straight line. So we had this strange thing during the last couple of years where every now and again the Haas car, which is fundamentally a backmarker, would 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 work on a particular track. They probably would never even suspect that it was going to happen, but they'd work on a particular track and they'd actually go all right in qualifying and then, of course, they'd work their way slowly back to the back of the field. But, you know, 
what I'm trying to say is that Haas, if we go back through Formula One, I love the fact that a, a team like Haas exists. I love the fact that Williams is a sort of – Williams shouldn't be put in the same bucket as Haas because Williams is a um, multiple, multiple world championship winning team. But Haas, if you go back 30, 20, 30 years ago, Formula One was full of privateer teams and Haas is really the last of those sort of privateer teams. And we need those privateer teams. Those privateer teams make the, the, the front end blokes look super good. Having said that, has you know, we're talking about a second a lap off the base on a good day. It's nothing. But <laughs> Gunter was an interesting bloke because he had no filter. He's probably I reckon he's probably uh, I reckon Gunter and I in the room together with a few beers would be very, very entertaining. Um he um he had no filter. He told people how it was and he was the reason, he was one of the main reasons why that TV show on Netflix, Zoom to Forget or whatever it was called, Drop to Forget, what was it called? Drop to Survive. Drive Drive to, to Survive. Drop to Forget, same thing. So Drive to Survive, that was one of the, the, he was one of the characters on that program that people loved to watch. They wanted to hear what he had to say. The TV cameras hovered on him. They 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 listened on every word because there was every chance within the next ninety seconds he was gonna give somebody a spray or he was gonna tell someone to. Mm, uh. yep. So he was very very entertaining. <laughs> and in this huge politically correct world we live in, this world of wokeness, this he was a he was a voice of freedom and a voice of reason where people could think to themselves, bloody good on you, um, mate, because you've said what I was thinking and he said the things that people were too scared to say. Um, and he was sort of let off the leash by by Gene Hass. Gene Hass is a pretty robust American businessman. He's been involved in NASCAR and, you know, he's a big machinery constructor. He's a, he's a serious sort of a bloke. Um, but the irony of it is, Andrew, is I'm reliably informed that um, – Gene may have uh, had enough of the cussing, as the Americans say, and um, basically he's uh, he's looking for a proper sponsor. And a few of the sponsors approached said, um, you know, "We don't know that we like this sort of this sort of uh, flamboyant behaviour and this sort of expletive chat." Because interestingly, um, Haas is based out at um, I think it's Concord, so yeah, very Bible Belt place. So uh, they don't like their yeah. cussing, as you say. So uh, yeah, but it's not far from the centre of Hillbillysville either, though. Andrew, don't forget. No, but they don't swear much. No, no, no. <laughs> um, anyway, um, let's move on. Let's move on from that because that's Formula One done for the day. Uh, the Daytona Twenty Four Hour. It's only two weeks away. For me, it's the. Um, it feels like the start of the car racing season when Daytona's on. So, uh, lots of Antipodeans over there. Um, starting yeah. with Scott Dixon, um, sixty-five years of age now, I think, and he's driving a Cadillac. Uh, so he's an outright contender. Matt Campbell, ditto. He's in the Porsche, uh, and Brendan Hartley's in an Acura, which um, we call a Honda. Um, um, in the LMP2 class, it's Scotty Mack, Hunter McElray, Josh Burden, James Allen. Um, but what I'm really looking forward to, Bruce, is the um, GT3 class and watching the Mustangs for the start. Um, I still don't know why Chas Mossett and Cam Waters aren't there, but that's a Ford issue. Uh, but El Bamba's in a Corvette. And um, Bathurst 12-hour winner Kenny Habul is over there with his Sun Energy team with their, their own entry. So that's the basics of it. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, it's pretty exciting times, and like you say, it's um, it's uh, you know, there's plenty going on, and 
Did you mention? Um, did you, uh, brain? I'm having a, I'm having a brain uh, phone. So the the um, sorry uh, viewers, I'm actually distracted. I'm reading a reading an email from uh, one of our very very good associates who is. Um, you did mention Scotty Andrews, didn't you? Did you mention Scotty Andrews? No, I didn't mention Scotty Andrews. Well, Andrew, there's is a problem the we're going to have to you. Scotty Andrews is a young bloke from Melbourne. He's been around racing for a long time, and he's got—he's one of those guys who flies under the radar. And I've met him plenty of times. He's a really nice bloke, and we all in the industry tend to forget about him. And um, um, in fact, we need to be remind—we need to remind ourselves this week to get on to Scotty. But Scotty's one of those guys who's been racing in in. Uh, LMP2 cars and sports cars all over the world, done a great job. So he's another one who's on that list. And as you say, the Daytona 24 Hours, I mean, it's a classic event. It's um, it's it's a race that really, as you say, gets things going. It's on really, it's a, it's a really early time of the year. But, you know, that and the first round of the World Rally Championship with the Monte Carlo Rally, the Rally Monte Carlo, um, this uh, in coming in the coming couple of weeks, it's uh, things start to get pretty serious. And of course, in the northern hemisphere, you know, it's they're heading into um, they're heading into their winter, and of course, we're at height of summer, so their sort of race season's a little bit reversed to ours. But uh, no, it's an exciting race, and um, there's a fair chance that one of our uh, local identities be from. Uh, from Australia, New Zealand, or Tasmania could uh, possibly go all right then. Yes, it's always good. I'm looking forward to that one, so it'll be it'll be good. As I say, um, for me, it's also about seeing that Mustang GT3. I mean, we've heard so much about it over the last 18 months, so um, it'll yeah, be good to and, see what he can actually do on the track. But remember, well, GT3 is very controlled, you know. GT3 is very controlled, and and the great shame is that uh, the GT3 Mustangs and a couple of other cars will race at Daytona, but they're not eligible to compete at the Bathurst 12 Hour, which is very disappointing. I'm not sure why that is, but um, you know that car. Can can you imagine if that GT3 Mustang was able to compete this year? They'd have actually they'd actually have spectators there. There'd be a big crowd. There'd be a lot of interest. I think they need to look at that rule. If the car's available to race, it should be allowed to race. So, personally, I'm a bit disappointed that uh, it's not going to be there and uh, showing up. That's interesting. I thought it was because they didn't have enough cars ready, but uh, you're saying it's no. I don't think it's eligible. I think there's some rule that says the cars have to have been homologated 12 months before or something like that. I might be wrong, viewers. It happened once before, but who knows? Uh, yeah, so um, oh, but I think that's the case. I might be wrong. If, you know, if I don't that is the case, it's a rule. I'm not Richard everywhere, so I'm not the expert on that stuff. I don't get paid an enormous amount of money to be over the top of everything in the Bathurst 12-hour, but mm. I think that might be the case. I'm wrong. Well, I'm sure you're on top of the fact that Valen- Valentino Rossi's coming back. Well, mate, you know, the event couldn't afford not to have Valentino because he was the superstar of the event last year. The queues of people that were hundreds and hundreds of people queued up to get Valentino's um, autograph. Um, he was he. It was quite weird. He was super low key himself personally, 
But the hype around Valentino at the event was awesome. He got in that car. He was as fast as his his teammates. Valentino's transition, he's a proper race car driver now. We always knew, those of us that knew what he was capable of and had seen him do Formula One tests in his early days and whatever, we always knew that he was capable of delivering on a, in a race car. And, um, no, he's a star factor. He's a, he's a genuine worldwide superstar. There's no arguments about that. So, you know, the fact that they've got him back there again, that's fantastic. Um, NASCAR, full speed documentary. It's a drive to survive style doco. Have you heard much about it yet? What is it? Drive to survive it's doco? It's full speed. It's been, yeah, for, um, for NASCAR. Andrew, you presuppose that I care. I don't have time to dig into the hmm. future. I deal with what's going at me at the front, at right now. I don't have time to gaze off. Oh. In luxurious, luxuriously into the future to know what's going on. It sounds terrific. And one of the things that, having said that, it does sound terrific because one of the things I love about NASCAR is blokes actually go and give each other a whack after they've been shafted. And, um, you know, as we've discussed, as we've discussed, I think supercars need to bring back the biff. If somebody gets snotted, Take it out in a civil court. Don't give them any penalties on track. Just let them go and have it out in the uh, local Carlton uh, courthouse. Well, he didn't break his <laughs> nose, Your Honour. He, um, he gave him a little bit of a cut under the eye. Oh, okay, misdemeanour. Put 250 bucks in the poor box. But, um, no, I, I, I like the idea and I'll look forward to it because NASCAR, the NASCAR blokes are, are genuine characters and um, I think a lot of our teams and drivers here could learn to be a little bit more interesting. The interesting thing about it is you watch the promo for it and they're talking about how, you know, you can die and it's dangerous and all of those things. And then we've got Russ Chastain throwing his right hook, <laughs> which uh, I find quite fascinating. So they, they, they oh, actually yeah. lauded they're, they're using it as a promotional thing. You could actually get seriously hurt in the pit lane in a NASCAR race. I mean, some bloke could walk up and punch you in the side of the head. I mean, it's very, very dangerous. Yeah, no, it is very dangerous. They get a bit feisty, don't they, which is a good thing. What sort of feedback have you had from your um, crazy thoughts last week? Well, Andrew, we've had plenty of feedback, to be honest. And um, some of it's been very, very positive. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, it's it's got some legs and people are kind of open to the idea that, you know, Bathurst, uh, you know, there's no, no harm in changing the way it works. Caught up with Brad Jones on the weekend in uh, downtown Albury and uh, I mentioned it to Brad and he looked at me and said, the money's not going to make any difference, but the points might make a bit of a difference. So, look, as you and I talked about, and this is this is serious, folks. We uh, supercars is and motorsport is one of the few categories that you can have the championship decided well before the season ends, and that means a big lot of difference to a lot of people. Would you go to the grand final to? Um, to, if you knew that Collingwood were going to win the championship, of course you wouldn't. There'd be nothing more disgraceful than going to watch Collingwood win when he already went. No, of course you wouldn't. I mean, one of the most satisfying moments in your life would be to go as a, dare I say, a Hawthorne supporter or a Richmond supporter or possibly even a Melbourne supporter, although they probably haven't experienced it very recently. But the most satisfying moment is to claim the premiership by kicking a point after the siren to demolish Collingwood. I mean, there is nothing more satisfying than that. So we have this situation where we basically take all the intrigue, all the interest, all the excitement and anticipation and nervousness out of it by saying, 
Well, Brody, if you stumble around in 14th position for the last couple of races, you're going to be the champion, mate. Um, good on you. Good on, good on you, as our former uh, Prime Minister would say, <laughs> good, on, good on you. And um, to be perfectly honest, I, the more I think about it, Andrew, I think we need to – I, I love the NASCAR system and I know all you silly old tossers out there are going to think these two dickheads, what would they know? Well, mate, all of you tossers out there would, would, would know that motorsport is a sport and it's also an entertainment. And the fact is that if I'm a driver and uh, with five rounds to go and a teammate with five rounds to row, I know that I can't win – and therefore I sort of start to lose maybe one or two or three percent of my commitment, the racing becomes pretty dull. And uh, at the end of the day, yeah. if you can scrape into that chase with uh, three races to go and get into that eight, you're in with a chance of winning the championship. It's a clean slate. Forget about the fact that that Shane Van Gisbergen asshole tipped you into the concrete at race two and race three and you lost 300 points, you're back in the fight again because you stopped, You managed to work your way up to eighth. You might be, you might have won the last four or five races, but because of the way the points, you know, this wonderful, wonderful point system where we reward mediocrity and averageness, um, it means you're not there. But if you... If yeah. you have a bad start to the year for reliability or crashes or whatever, you get yourself into eighth and all of a sudden you're in with a chance and then you make the final four. And let me tell you, viewers, you'd all be sitting on the edge of your seats if on the last lap the first, second and third place getters, fourth place getters are all together. Oh, can you imagine the last corner? It'd be pretty enthusiastic, I would have thought. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. We do we do explore it quite extensively for the next issue of the the print magazine. So uh, if people want to get their head around it, it'll be in next week's print edition, and then uh, we can um, digest it a little bit more, and um, we can get our feedback from the teams and the drivers, etc. After that, I think we need to spice it up, and I want to see. You know, it's like sprint car racing. You go to a night of sprint car racing, they have hot laps, qualifying, they have some yep. heat, and then. You know, Freddie Flaps might win heat one and John Smith might win heat two and Freddie Flaps might win the, 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 the next heat or whatever. But they go into the A main and anybody can win. It doesn't matter whether you're off the back row or the front row yeah. and if the track slicks up or it, it hooks up or whatever, you might have a car that drives around the outside of everybody and you take the cash and the trophy and you say, happy days. At the moment, we've got a system yeah. that predominantly rewards average performance. When I say average performance, it rewards you doing a good job over the course of the year. It doesn't mean you're the best racer sometimes. In Brody Kostecki's camp and Erebus's camp, don't get me wrong, they demolished the best in the caper. They did the best job. They demolished everybody. And in, in our scenario, it could still happen. But what it means is that it means – and you've done some, dare I say, some number perving again, Andrew, because you're very, very good at that. You've done some number for perving and um, you've created some very, very engaging and interesting uh, scenarios. So um, I think you need Without to – Without giving away too much – because we need to do some clickbait because that's what we're all about. But um, oh, every yeah. champion for the last five years is different to the one who won the champion if we do it under a chase system. But what I would love to have seen is I would love to have seen Brody Kostecki on the Sunday 
having to race his ass off, not just tootling around because he wanted to do his victory celebration. So that's the bit that me needs to change, and that's what I think we can change if, if we mix we it don't up. Go to the, they don't jam 100,000 people in the MCG to see the uh, the 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 – the, what are they called? The top of the points. The what are they called? There's some stupid word the for minor it. Minor premiers. The minor, minor premiers, premiers go out and trot around on the ground and uh, and, and uh, you know kick the ball around and finish finish fifty points off the uh, winner of the game and still collect yeah. their trophy. No, it's the Footscray opportunity where those people from the western suburbs qualified eighth for the uh, start of the finals and somehow managed to win the championship. They won the premiership and that's what we want to see. We want people to be engaged and we want the racers to be angry and hungry right till the end. Absolutely. So mix it up, I say. Let's, um, we'll explore that. We'll keep exploring it over the next few weeks, but uh, certainly on the podcast, but we'll, uh, we'll get the big edition coming out next week of the magazine. Now, Bruce, the time clock says it's time for us to finish, so we're going to finish yeah, it up now. Andrew. I mean, as much and all as it is to the two of us have had a very, very engaging conversation, it's not the same without PG, our little friend from Queensland, to interrupt and come no. in with his waffling. Well, he'll come back next week with all of these great stories about the Porsche Museum and all of those things because Porsche's the ones taking him to Europe, you know. You oh, know, get nothing. He gets over there, yeah, Ferrari, no. Porsche. All no, the, we get absolutely diddly squat nothing. But anyway, but, uh, but thanks for your time. Andrew, Andrew, we feel good about oh. it. We don't feel guilty or uncomfortable about the no. fact that we've been on a junket and uh, we're here down in the in the, in the the trenches doing the work. That's what it's all about. Yeah, in the salt mine, as I like to say. That's anyway, exactly. thanks for your time, Bruce. Um, no, thanks especially Andrew. to AC Delco. And our, thanks to AC Delco, Gilligan's. Yep. And don't forget, well, if you want to see... Shane Van Gisbergen racing in Chicago with General Motors AC Delco signage on the side of his car. There you go. Possibly might happen. Who knows? Get on board with Gilligan's too. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and review this podcast, and we will see you next week on the Auto Action Rev Limiter. That was the Auto Action Rev Limiter. We'd love you to subscribe and like our podcast and leave some comments. You never know when we're giving something away or we'll use your thoughts to guide the show. And don't forget to get your copy of Auto Action, the digital version. It's out every second Wednesday night. And the print version is available on Thursday, wherever you buy your magazines. Thanks for listening. And thanks for understanding.